Most bootstrapped businesses are all about slow, steady, consistent growth. Rick's business is different because he gets almost all his customers during one period each year called open enrollment. In this episode, we talk about what he's doing to prepare for this huge opportunity. Let's go. Welcome to Startup to Last, a podcast about building profitable software businesses that are meant to last. Hi, I'm Tyler. I run a bootstrap SaaS company called Less Annoying CRM. I'm Rick. I run a software-enabled services company called Leg Up Health. What's up this week, Rick? Oh man, is that what I do to you? I flip, yeah, you do that to me every week, and I, I flip the table on you. <laughs> you did. You got me. I'm great. Uh, me it's hard to respond to that kind of energy. Yeah, I, I was not expecting that energy. That's like, wow. Um, That's like heavy metal, uh, Tyler Band energy. How are you doing this week, Rick? Oh, that's creepy. <laughs> <laughs> Don't do that. <laughs> um, I am pumped up. Tell me why. Why are you pumped? Because uh, our open enrollment starts 11-1, which is Tuesday. Um, and open enrollment for people outside the U.S. is when um, it is a less than a three-month period during the year when Americans can buy their own health insurance. And if you, you know, with no questions asked, if you fall outside of this period um, without buying health insurance, then you can't buy health insurance unless you have a special event. So yeah. So let's, re- let's just, just for the people in the back, not only is our healthcare system fucked up in any number of ways, you can't even buy health insurance except for this little period during the year. It makes no sense at all. There, there's logic behind it. Um, so that people and, actually get insurance. People actually get insurance and share in the risks when you don't have a public system where taxes take care of contribution, you do have to figure out a way to incentivize people to participate in their own free will. And the incentive here is if you get sick outside of open enrollment period, you're effed. <laughs> yeah. You know, our, our group plan, uh, our, our plan starts February 1st and we tried to move it to January 1st this year, like a normal time to start. And, uh, Gusto was like, you don't want to do that. Everyone's they're so overwhelmed with renewals that you're basically not going to get in. Like you're not going to get served. Like you're going to be, everything's going to get messed up if you do at the same time as everyone else. Anyway, sorry, back to you. You're pumped. (laughs) Yeah, I'm pumped. Well, it's JD and I have worked really, really hard over the last 30 to 45 days to just put together a plan and execute. Um, and we've, we've been executing that plan, uh, for a while and there's still a lot of work to be done and we're going to get as much as we can done. But I mean, it feels like we're ready as we're way readier than we're, we're in a good spot to be able to do some damage. Um, so mostly so spamming November, people. No, <laughs> spamming people you've already I- interacted with in some way. We won't like, spam people that we know. Leads? We won't spam people that we know. We'll treat people that we know not spammy, but like people that we don't know that we've acquired uh, their email address and phone numbers and LinkedIn. Mm. We're gonna spam. I don't know, how else to, but we're gonna do it. We're gonna do. Uh, we're gonna do thoughtful spam. It's gonna be useful. But we're gonna spam them. I, I don't know what else to say. But it's gonna obviously, be it's gonna be can spam compliant if you're a stickler. Obviously, I don't like spam, but I I, I admire <laughs> the bluntness with which you yes. say that. We have um, we 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 created this term which is a flow ready leads. Um, a flow mm-hmm. when you there's all these tools that um, aid in spamming people. Um, outreach is a really popular one. Uh, Groove is another, we, we set up a tool called reply and it's called reply.io. And, uh, we have like 
to be flow ready, you have to have a name, an email address, um, and a LinkedIn profile. Um, so that you, you basically can just add them to this tool and it automatically spams them for you and like puts them through cadences and, and call that like, email automation, Rick. Yeah. Uh, that, um, so it sends them a LinkedIn request with a node. It sends them, you know, like does all these things for you. I think we have, mm. I don't know the exact numbers, but I think it's in the tens of thousands of flow ready leads. Wow. So are you like November 1st comes and you push a button and they all get it? Or are you like slowly going to spread it out? We've set up six um, accounts, uh, so we can do we can do up to four hundred sends a day per account. So this is LinkedIn. That's the limit, or email? Uh, G- Gmail. Gmail. Okay. Because it leverages your your existing email address. So we have six um, accounts that we're going to send up to four hundred emails a day from per account or total. per account. Yeah. Per account. Okay, so you could. Uh, I mean, are you going to max that out? You could you could get through the ten thousand people pretty quickly at that yeah. rate. Yeah, uh, but there's multiple steps in the outreach. So it's mm-hmm. step. There's a phase one. Fa- first step is um, is a LinkedIn connection. Second day, it's an email. No, if they don't reply, it's a follow up email, and then you know it kind of hits. So it does, they start to stack on each other. Cool. And there's three and- groups of uh, of of people that we're going to spam. Uh, the first is consumers. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just, that, I keep laughing. <laughs> the The second is a small business owner uh, group. And the third is like pe- people who serve other, like in the financial services industry who serve people that we serve. And so we have like three different flows that will enroll the, roll the person in based on that. And like the first one, we're groveling for their business. Um, the second one, they're, we're, we're groveling for their employees business. And then the third one, uh, we're groveling for their client's business. Mm-hmm. Cool. Is, I, I mean, that's the, uh, basically the, the cold leads or whatever that you haven't talked to before. Do you also have stuff going on with people? Like you've been talking to people throughout the last year, um, in theory, is there yeah, a separate got, pipeline um, for that? Yeah, we've got basically anyone that we have an existing relationship with, we've created an opportunity for So we have an existing pipeline that we're going to go try closing. I don't know the numbers on those, but I, I think it's not insi- it's significant. So we've got active employer deals in the pipeline. We've got active consumer deals. We've got active partnerships in place that should refer us business. Um, but we, you know, it's kind of like it's dead quiet, and then all of a sudden, yeah. you know, it it turns, and I, I don't know what to expect. Like I'm sort of, I, 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 JD and I were really honest with each other this morning. Sorry if I'm talking too much, but like, no, go for it. Uh, we were really honest with each other about like how we've had, we've, we probably got, I got into a space of like unhealthy urgency the last 30 days, like worrying about this. Um, but I, so I had to remind myself, it's like short-term impatience, long-term patience. It's mm-hmm. really hard to have that mindset, especially when there's like this, we don't get another shot at this for another year. Yeah. That's, it's wild. Yeah. And I know I've asked you this in recent episodes. I believe you said you need something or you want something like 200 customers at the end of this. Am I remembering right? Uh, we'd be the, the goal, the driving goal for the milestone whenever we get there is 400. That's where like we can comfortably pay JD, JD his market salary and then he can also hire a team. Um, so like that's like uh, the, the <laughs> big goal. I, I think like we're at 60, 57 clients right now. So like I would be so happy with double that. Like if we just doubled our client base, um, the goal, 400 is the eventual number, not like 400 is like the driving like milestone. JD is, is gunning for 200. I'd be happy with 120. Okay, cool. That's, that's exciting. My, maybe you already are expecting this, but my, my instinct would be that a lot of people procrastinate on open enrollment. 
Uh, it's such a nightmare trying to figure out health insurance. I bet even though I'm sure it'll get, start being active on November 1st, I bet people will wait until like the last week that they are allowed to before a lot of people act. Yeah, I think that, I think you're right, but who knows? Like we we really don't know. So because like uh, the last open enrollment period was a wash because I was coming joining a new job. I was trying to recruit JD during open enrollment. It was like it was a learning. Like he was just learning what leg up health was. Um, right. The year before that, I was still in product building mode. So this is really the fir- our first marketing push. Um, the other thing that so there's two big things I've got to do between now and open enrollment. Um, healthcare.gov waits till a week before open enrollment to release the new plans. And we have this guide on our website that like makes it easy for people to understand like all the plans. There's five insurance companies, 99 plans this year. So we've got to upload that into Webflow and make it accessible. Mm-hmm. That, that takes some time. Um, and then I've got to read, I've got to implement the new site website, um, and add, add systems, um, which uh, is super scary to me just because I don't know how to do it. And so I have anxiety around getting that done just because I don't know how long it's going to take. Yeah. Um, but I feel like I just need to throw noodles against the wall and it won't be perfect. Set a, set a budget limit and just get it going. Cause I know that the minute I start seeing traffic, it'll get me going. It'll, it'll yeah. motivate me to break through. Can I ask a weird, like in the weeds question about the programmatic SEO is basically what you're doing, right? You have a data source of, uh, insurance policies and you're making a page for each one that explains mm-hmm. it. You are in it, like most programmatic SEO. I feel like uh, you make evergreen pages. In your case, every year the the policies from last year aren't relevant anymore, but they might still rank for Google. Or like you don't necessarily want to take them down. Do you have some approach yeah. to keeping those live, but not yeah. having them a part of the main repository? We we take them down and we redirect them to the like the equivalent plan for the new year. So okay. so what ends up happening is they're both. 2022 plans and 2023 plans will be available from November until uh, December 31st. And then on January 1st, we redirect, we take the 2022 plans down and redirect each individual plan to their, to the new corresponding plan. Okay. Okay, cool. I can see see an argument for leaving it up for SEO reasons. And then like on the page being like, Hey, you're looking at an old plan. Um, But maybe, yeah, I can see it either way, I guess. Yeah, it's it, that's what we've done the last. We, I guess we've only had one year of doing that, but it it, it was successful last year. So okay, like the um, Google kind of gave the new page credit for whatever SEO juice the old one had. Yeah, like if you type in a plan name for any, if you type in one of the ninety nine plan names, uh, what they're called, you've we're number one result. That's awesome. Yeah, it's it's, it's effective. Um, no one does that, but I mean, some people do. But, yeah, um, but we're starting to get you know contact forms, inbound leads, calls. Um, people are getting it's it it feels like we've got some organic um, search presence uh, yeah. that, that'll lead. Um, I just really want to get this ad stuff built out so that when people are hitting us on our content or via via um, email our our spam, like let's say they click on one of JD's links in his spam email, um, that we hit them, you know we can follow them around and like hit them with retargeting. I'm, I really want to get that set up. Yeah, I mean the key thing is just get the pixel on there, and then you can always run the ads later if you need to. Yeah, the problem is, um, I was looking at it. Google requires like a thousand visitors, in, uh, unique visitors, in order mm-hmm. to for the last thirty days, in order to do retargeting. And I was just, 
I don't have, I have, we have over a thousand visitors to leg up health, but only like 10% of them are Utah. And I don't want to yeah. market to people outside of Utah. So I only have a hundred people. So I've got to like figure out how to get more people to the site to get to the thousand of Utahns so that I can retarget them. Re- you heard of retargeting, that? that makes sense. Retargeting is cheap enough. I wonder if it would be worth it to just blast everyone, blast everyone. And yeah, like 90% of it's not effective, but maybe it's still okay. That's a good point. I wouldn't have, th- I would have like stayed in my, that's a great point. Yeah. That's a great, that's a really great point. Uh, you talked about using ad roll at one point. Are you doing that? They have, a th- they have an, a thousand, I had okay. that set up. I'm, I'm, I'm playing with Google and ad roll at the same time. Um, and I'm going to, I'm going to play with both, but I'm leaning towards Google, uh, primarily because of the more sophisticated segmentation that they allow. Mm-hmm. Ad roll is like definitely playing to a small business user. And as a result, some of they limit some of the things you can do. Gotcha. We're, we're thinking about, uh, starting with ad roll actually. I recommend it. Partially it's helped me a lot. It. Yeah. yeah it's okay. helped me a lot. Um, it's helped me like orient myself to what they're doing. And like Google calls the things that they're doing more technical terms. It's so like mm. working in Google Analytics, like you're working with segments and audiences and uh, in AdRoll, they like dumb it down, but it's the same thing. Yeah. Um, the I, other thing AdRoll does is it connects to multiple like social media destinations in addition to their retargeting network. Mm-hmm. So there is like kind of a one-stop shop that's kind of nice. I'm, we're going all over the place here, but one reason I'm nervous to use Google things is like they all kind of go through Google Analytics. And do you use, uh, do you know if you use what's it called? Uh, universal analytics or GA. I have them both set up. You have them both set up. But I, I'm trying, I want, I'm optimizing for GA four. Okay. Um, because, but, but UA, our, our quoting tool only isn't set up to integrate with GA four. So I have to use UA for that. So, so for people who don't know what we're talking about, yeah. the normal Google analytics that everyone's been using for years is universal analytics UA, and then UA. And then like, a couple years ago, maybe they kind of like announced the new one, which is GA4, Google Analytics 4. And it's in theory, UA is getting sunset in theory. Like July <laughs> or something of 2023. Yep. So like everyone has to move to the new one, but I tried setting up the new one and it sucks. I hate it. Um, oh, I, I got, so I broke through that. I love it. You did. Yeah. So I assume, I've always assumed this. I've assumed like if you put the investment in, there must be a reason they made the change, but what a ridiculous learning curve it has. Like there's very nothing out of the box. Like you, you start no. using, cause I set it up on my new unless knowing business out of the box, you go in and it's like, here's how many visitors you had. You can't see anything else. You have, you have to, build to like your generate. Yeah. I hate <laughs> it. Anyway. What, what I like about it is the ability to build audiences. Um, that is really cool. That's just like segmenting all your, like saying, cause you and then you can deploy, and then you can deploy those audiences from Google's. I, I, and I saw like, to be honest, I didn't know how GA uh, UA worked the original analytics, so I don't have to unlearn anything. Gotcha. Well, I'm toying with like, are we going to just stop using Google Analytics when the mm. switch happens? Because I kind of want to anyway. Like, they say it's not GDPR compliant. I don't love Google getting all the data on all our customers. Like, there are reasons I don't want to use it anyway. And then if they're making me switch to a new one and learn the whole thing, that's that would be a nice time to just stop using it. So anyway, um. Cool. Any other updates on kind of your your plan for uh, going after open enrollment? No, I'm just going to try to be patient and be thoughtful. Like what I realized is that I was having a lot of fear around not, I'm scared if we don't grow enough, JD, I, I can't retain JD. That's my big fear. 
Yeah. And what I realized was like, that'll work itself out. It's not binary. Like it's there, there are deviate, there, there are versions of continuing with with like that, that aren't all or nothing. Um, and so I just, I let that go. Um, and so I just, I just gotta be patient and we're going to, we're going to start it's going to be February is going to hit and we're going to have some amount of recurring revenue that's greater than what we have now. And that's pretty nice. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. That's all I got. Um, so for me, I went to a founder summit last week. Um, that's the conference in Asheville. Well, this year it was in Asheville hosted by calm fund. The real question is, are you going to go back? Yes. Oh, that's interesting. I'm available or whatever. I, I, Definitely. Like when I was leaving, it was like, this is definitely something I, I I don't think I'm, I'm not like, let's go to a bunch of other conferences now. I think doing something like this once a year is probably about right for me, but I had a great time. What, um, t- can you tell me about it? Cause I, I, what made this play for those of you who don't know Tyler, he does not like networking or doing uh, conferences. It's a force. He has to force himself to do it. Just tell, correct if I'm saying misrepresenting. Oh, yeah. um, so it's a big deal for you to say I want to do this on a recurring yeah. basis. I I think I'm a social person with people I know. Like if when I'm hanging out with you, let's say it's like five people I know and one stranger. That one stranger would not think I'm shy. They'd be like, "Wow, you talk a lot and you're loud." Um, <laughs> but if it's me and five strangers, they would be like, "You haven't said a word." Like I, I'm just I'm not good at meeting people, especially when I'm outnumbered. Um, and that's like exactly, I went to a conference by myself. Like I'm every single person there is a stranger. Um, but a, so, so what has changed for me this time versus other times I've tried to do networking one, I think I have a lot more of like an, a virtual network already, like through Twitter. Um, I didn't fully appreciate how much Twitter has a made me aware of, I knew, I kind of like knew a number of the people there from Twitter, but even more people knew me. Like there are a lot of people who are like, oh, hey, who are you? And I'm like, I'm Tyler. I run Lesson Wing Serum. And they'd be like, oh, Lesson Wing Serum. Yeah, your podcast with Rick. Got it. And like when they know you, even if you don't know them, um, that makes it a lot easier. Mm. And then number two is uh, it's a pretty small conference. And like they only allow founders and it's almost all kind of SaaS or otherwise kind of SaaS-ish businesses. Um, And so... Like if if you just stand awkwardly outside a circle of people talking, like someone will just look at you and be like, "Get in here, like let's talk." It, it, it felt very inclusive and just welcoming, so I had a really good time. That's so awesome. Do you think yeah. that they'll maintain that as they expand? Because if you had a great time, you're talking about it. More people are going to go next year, right? So, yeah. So they do. They require you to apply. I have no idea. Are they rejecting people? But I can say, like, it feels like a curated group of people. It. It's like there's no way this high quality of a group of people are the only ones who applied to go. Um, and there was I just didn't meet anyone there where I was like, man, you're kind of a clown. Like, how'd you get in? You know, so it was, I, th- I think it was 100 or 100, maybe 150 people. Uh, like, would they grow it to 10,000 if there was the demand for it? I don't know, but I do think that would kind of ruin it probably. Mm. Um, what what else about this, um, about the summit? Uh, what would you say like people should know? Yeah. So this one was called camp edition. So it was like around a kind of woodsy, like lake, like not, not posh at all. It was like the hotel rooms were 
you know, kind of dank and smelled like you were in wilderness, you know? Uh, <laughs> but, and so I'm not sure that future ones will necessarily be this way, but like the um, one, one thing that meant is there was nothing around the conference to distract you. Uh, like my last year, it was in Mexico City. I didn't go, but my, like if I were in Mexico City, I'd be like, let's go out and do stuff, which would be fun, but it would also like distract from let's all just hang out, uh, which is what happened here. So that was kind of cool that it was isolated. Also, because it was in the wilderness, like I went on a hike and I took a foraging class. Like they just had all these weird activities. They had archery, they had woodworking. Um, so like only half the day is spent sitting in conf- uh, sit- sitting in talks. The other half of the day is like go on a hike with people and get to know them that way, or sit around the lake, or go to a bonfire. So it was it was a lot of recreation mixed in with the talks. Very interesting. That sounds awesome. Yeah. No, it it was. I actually kind of felt guilty about how much fun it was because I'm like, this is work. You know, I'm taking <laughs> off work. I'm not calling it a vacation day. And I do think it was valuable and like the ROI will be positive on it. But I also was like, is, can I really call this work? You know, what, what is the ROI from it? Yeah, good question. So I think at a, at a typical con- conference, my understanding is like you go, you see a talk the talk is like, here's a growth strategy. And then you like jot it down on your piece of paper and you go back to your team and you're like, here's a, here's an idea. I think that's kind of like the classic way you think of a conference being valuable. I I don't know. Does that sound right to you? Sure. Ish. And then they're like networking in heavy air quotes. And like, I've never really gotten what, like I, I met a lot of people. Part of it is like, I just, it just feels good. Like when you're a founder, I don't want to say it's lonely because like my team, I feel very like social with my team, but none of them have the role I have and meeting a lot of other people with similar roles. Just, you feel a sense of community. I can't put my finger on, is there ROI there? I don't know. So some, some sort of mental health, uh, um, sort of third party advice, uh, yeah. bucket. Yeah. And then, yes. And I don't think I probably needed that as much as some people like a lot of the talks that did there weren't that many talks, but the, a lot of the ones that were there were like on mental health and stuff like that, which I don't I don't think I need as much as some people. But for for the, the people who do need it, I bet that sense of community is super valuable. Mm-hmm. And then I'm just kind of thinking like when I run into a problem in the future, like I didn't I didn't come with a bunch of problems to ask people about, which maybe I should have. But just in the future, like in the past, it was like. Does Rick know the answer to this? If not, I'm fucked. <laughs> that was, you were basically my one option. That's awesome. And now I'm like, I can probably reach out to like 15 or 20 people from that conference that like, I kind of know what they're all good at. And I, I don't know what I'll use that for, but I, I bet I'll use that. That's amazing. Yeah. So strong recommend for uh, n- next year. I'm going to try how and did your try talk convince go? you to go. Uh, my, my talk was good. Uh, I, it was at the same time as the founder of Gumroad's talk. He was kind of like the main Sahil, uh, kind of the main like celebrity at the conference, and so no one really came to my talk. But there were like fifteen people there, and I think they seemed to like it. Fifteen people when competing with that guy—that's pretty impressive, yeah. Tyler. <laughs> I mean, I mean the, the Sahil guy is is like like I, it'd be hard. I'm your friend, and I might have to skip yeah, out on yeah. like your talk for him. And it's even worse than that. Cause there's, there's two tracks. It's not like me versus him. It's like those three speakers versus our three speakers. Oh. And their whole track was like the keynote track sort of. So I was amazed anyone attended ours, but uh, that's impressive. It was good. I, I had a good time. I, if anyone is, hasn't talked to a conference, like I'd encourage you to do it even if no one attends or even if it sucks, like it's good practice for public speaking. 
thousand percent. Um, but yeah, a lot of fun. Had a good time. Still kind of riding high from it. And I will, I will be back and I'm going to convince you to go next year. Oh, nice. Is it going to be similar location or totally different? I, I would guess it will be different and I've heard rumors, but I don't know if those were meant to be private or not. So I won't okay. share what they are, but, um, <laughs> if the rumors are true, I, I want to go even more. <laughs> so we'll see. Uh, you got anything else? Oh, wow. We worked through your whole list there, huh? Yeah, I I, right. I I monologued and babbled. <laughs> this is a babbling podcast. I apologize. Yeah. Uh, I apologize in retrospect, but uh, we're, yeah, we're both babbling here. Um, all right, well, I'll just keep going. So, actually, I should have mentioned this when you were talking about the um, advertising stuff and the retargeting. We've been talking about so we've we've done a lot of advertising throughout the years. A lessening serum. It's all been what I think you would normally call performance marketing or performance advertising, where you're like. I'm going to pay this amount, get this many clicks, this many people will convert. And you can say like, what am I paying per user? Right. Am I using my terminology right here? Yes. The performance. Like, it's like conversion focused. Yeah. yeah. Um, I don't know if brand marketing is the right term, but the, like we've been thinking about running ads that aren't just about getting conversions in the short term, or at least not conversions we can measure. Um, what kind of started this is we, so we're listed on Captera, one of our big, ad channels is Captera, which is just like a list of any any B2B SaaS product category, but like CRM is a big one. And it lists it as if this is like Captera's chosen ranking. Like we've reviewed these all in here. In fact, it's just whoever pays the most per click is at the top. Um, so we always paid like, I don't know what the number was, but we were like number 50 or something. And we actually got clicks. I don't know how much traffic Captera must get to for num the 50th CRM to still get clicks. But we've started bidding up and we're at like five now or something. We're just paying a lot more per click. And we were looking at the ROI on it and it's like, it's not good enough to justify. But then we were like, but how many more people are seeing our name because we're number five instead of number 50? And I think the answer has to be like a whole lot of people. How do you decide whether it's worth it? I don't know, but we're starting to consider is like, maybe that's worth it. What, what do you think about that? It's, I mean, this is the same conversation I'm having in my mind uh, at Leg Up Health, where it's like, okay, what is the value of someone interacting with the Leg Up Health brand in February? They're not going to mm -hmm. convert. Right. But maybe later they will. Maybe later they will. I don't know. Yeah. And it's, and you, someone might be like, well, measure it, like do this. But with a one year iteration cycle like you have, like you, you can't. I, the the thing that I think the way I'm thinking about this is I've got to feel like I have somewhat of a lever, like I can increase spend and good things happen. And then as good things happen, like volume increases, economics get better. Like that's, that would be my framework for thinking about this is I've, I can control this. Good things are happening. As I spend more, the unit cost goes down. And if I can believe that like over time, like, you know, and then like, there's some sort of like half-life, like, oh yeah, like mm -hmm. I sign someone up, they refer someone, you know, I, I can just, I, I think I could talk myself into that from a, a macro, like very simple formula standpoint. Yeah. And I think I've talked myself into that, but th the problem with it is, well, okay, what are you willing to spend then? Like with, with the more performance stuff where you're measuring all these numbers, you can say, 
like we talked about this maybe two episodes ago, like what would you pay to acquire like customer acquisition costs? And it it's hard to come up with that number, but whatever the number is, then you can work backwards and say, this is what we will pay per click. But if you're just like, I have to assume someone seeing my brand is worth something. I don't even know how many people are seeing it. I don't even know. Do they come back ever? Like there's just what, what, so many things I can't measure. Yeah. What what if you, you got away from the unit sort of dry, dry, like driving the, the, the spend and got into like, Hey, we're going to spend X percent of our revenue on like on marketing. Right. And that's yeah. just like, we're going to spend it on just all sorts of marketing. And our job is to generate as many conversions and leads as possible with that uh, over the course of a year. Um, th- and we, w- you know, what we want to do is we want to continue to spend that 20% and get more for our 20% over time. The problem is that's such a long feedback loop. Cause like, if someone sees us on Captera now, I mean, we'll never know if they actually ended up signing up, but let's say our signups start going up in March or whatever. Like, Hubs- like if you have HubSpot, it tells you like, hey, they originally, like you, it will tell you like the original source was Captera, but the latest source was paid search. No, but I'm saying they never even click the link impact Captera. Oh, I see what you're saying. You're talking about like, what's the value of someone like subliminal, like the subliminal mess, like, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Because uh, I think I mean this is like like how does Nike advertise? They just put a billboard up, and they're like, "Well, maybe, maybe if our sale we get some sales, that that billboard helped." I don't know. You're getting more into like the what, what becoming synonymous with like someone says CRM like for small business, and they go like less annoying CRM. Yeah. And same thing with me. It's like Utah Health Individual Health Insurance or Marketplace Health Insurance, Leg Up Health. Right. That's uh, that's what you're trying to get at. And they won't even, even if we ask them when they sign up, how did you first hear about it? They're not going to remember that it was Captera. Yeah. But I think being we, I, being above the fold or near above the fold on Captera, I think we're probably getting 10, 10 times as many impressions. Okay. I, I, I think I was thinking about this differently. If that's your goal, you have to spend as much as you put, you spend as much as you can afford to spend and you do that forever. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like what? that's That's dangerous, but sure. But that's so, right. Like if you want to be, known that, as the small business if, CRM. Well, yeah, uh, but then maybe it doesn't work at all and we're just lighting all our money on fire. But if you don't figure out how to grow, like what does it matter? Yeah, I very, very vaguely you're right and the question still is like how do you set a budget and how do you do, like we're doing the same we're going to do the same thing with retargeting. Uh, when we hired Demand Maven, the kind of growth consultants to come in, like one of the things they said is we recommend retargeting for you, given where you're at. And we were like, we tried that and the ROI wasn't there. And they're like, oh, no, no, no one's going to sign up through that. But they're just going to see you all over the place. And then when they are ready to sign up, then they'll uh, they'll come to you. So this is when I go back to verticals and I go like dominate a niche that has like the bowling pin effect where you know, and it's like, okay, go spend a bunch of money becoming the household name for, uh, you know, I got someone requested a connection with me today and his, his title, he's like, I'm a burnout coach and, uh, you're in my network. I'm like, did someone give you my name? Uh, <laughs> but like become the, you know, the, the, the CRM of choice for burnout coaches and like, yeah. and, and then focus on them. Like, that's not a really good example, but, um, I, I get yeah. what you mean, but it's that still way you like can test it in a smaller audience to be, like what the value is of becoming like can you dominate but but what we still don't know is does advertising on Captera help us become a household name because the problem is we're doing 10 different things at once mm. and if in february sales pick up we're not going to know which one worked 
This is a yeah, famous yeah, yeah. marketing yeah, quote, yeah. right? Yeah. Only 50% of your marketing dollars work. The you don't problem is you don't know which 50%. Yeah. yeah. So I'm not expecting an answer from you, but this we're basically doing it. We're, we're yeah. I think, I think like what, what, I think what we're both saying is like, uh, don't feel great about it, but I got to do it. Yeah. And maybe that's just the answer. And like, and like I would, if someone has, maybe there's someone that's knows more about this than us, but logically, like, I don't think there's a better explanation. Yeah. Um, so anyway, we are doing it. I'll, ne- I, I would say I normally I say like, Oh, I'll give updates on how it goes. I'm not going to know how it goes. So I probably won't give any updates, but could you get maybe. focused on like growth goal? Do you have a growth goal? As much as possible. Well, one thing you could <laughs> I don't do know. growth goals always seem silly could, to me. Yeah. But you could have like a, Hey, like we'll spend this much money and we'll keep spending it as long as we have this much growth. That, that's fair. I don't, I have something not quite like that, but if we were to grow, if we're in the 10 to 15% uh, year over year growth. It's not, um, that's an amount where on the product side, we will be focusing the product on either strategic goals, like for what our long-term vision is, or just making our current customers happy. If we were at 15% annualized growth, if we're below that, then it's like, we are going to build like product improvements that we think will directly lead to growth. So I have it on that side. Um, I haven't really done that same exercise on the marketing side. I mean, it just, it'd be interesting to say like, Hey, yes, but you end up with the same problem, which is like, is it work? Like, is this a good use of the dollar or is this not use of the dollar? It's yeah. yeah. And then if it does work, if you, if you take this like to its natural conclusion, Captera is a bidding system. So if it works, then like, well, then someone else should bid to get the number five or above spot and that knocks us down and then we should bid more. And obviously at some point we're spending an amount that doesn't make sense. And it's just so opaque. Um, yeah, I don't know. But this it's is sucked. why monopolies like win and like like d- like being a, the dominant player is an advantage. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> are, um, you, are you do you have the stomach for that? I would like you said earlier, I have to because we're not growing as much as I want. I yeah. the goal is to get enough organic growth going that I can just like say whatever, forget Captera. You have so much good stuff happening from a brand equity standpoint. Yet you, your brand awareness is still nothing of what it could be. I know, and like, and, and so I, I mean, I don't. I feel like Captera is one. I think I think you could get pretty confident in a strategy, um, mm-hmm. of which it's like, hey, like this is our strategy, and it's going to work. And I'm not going to worry about measuring it. I'm just going to like do it. Yeah, I, th- that's what we're doing. To be yeah. clear. I just, I don't feel good about it. Retargeting is similar. The difference is you can only retarget people that have been to your site. Um, Captera is a way to get in front of brand new people. Uh, So we'll see what happens. Um, Next up, uh, this is a pretty minor update, but like Bracken, my co-founder slash our data person, did a little um, (laughs) analysis. (laughs) He did some- He's uh, a man of many roles. Many roles, yes. We kind of think of him as the internal consultant. Like if, <laughs> if there's something hard and it's not a person's specific specialty, he'll figure it out. <laughs> um, awesome. So he did some, we've never really done cohort analysis before because we don't use like chart, What, what there's bare metrics, there's chart mogul, there's all these different analytics tools. And because our data is not in Stripe billing, uh, we don't, we can't use most of those. Anyway. So he just did our first cohort analysis. Um, is this a type of like report that you looked at often back in the day? Uh, or critical. Maybe do now. Critical. Yeah. A critical report. Um, for people who don't know what that means, it's like rather than saying what's our churn rate, you say for people who signed up this month or this quarter or this year, 
what was their churn rate each month after they signed up? And then, so each row is a cohort of people. And then each column is a month relative to when they signed up. So you can see first month churn used to be higher than it is now or whatever. And so you can see patterns changing. Anyway, we did this with churn. Um, unfortunately, like the results were just completely unsatisfying. Uh, How is it unsatisfying? Well, so what I was expecting, I know, like a, a common truism in SaaS is that uh, churn is much higher the first few months and then it drops because the idea being someone's free trial ends, they pay, but they're not really activated or bought in yet. And then those people drop off pretty quickly. And if you stay past that activation point, you're much more likely to stay long term. We saw a little bit of that, but like not nearly as much as I expected. Um, churn was kind of crazy for the first few months, but not really that much higher than average. And then it drops off a little and stays the same. And our churn hasn't really changed over the last several years. So it was just like, I guess it's good to reassure yourself that there's nothing weird going on, but I, I didn't walk away from it with any real insights. What question are you trying to answer? Like, is there anything bad about churn? Um, one thing was I wanted to understand the curve of how it changed over time so that like this can be helpful for financial modeling to say like if you think your blended churn is 4% but it's actually like 15% the first few months and then it drops to 2%. The way you model that out matters and that affects like customer it's, acquisition costs. Especially when your growth slows like yeah. and you have a huge customer base. That's interesting. So you wanted to get a better sense of like cash flow from existing customer bases based on like different uh, sign-up dates. Yeah, that was part of it. And then also just like sometimes when you do a report like this, things just stand out to you. And it's like, I didn't necessarily know what question to ask. That's what was unsatisfying. Yeah, nothing stood out. Exactly. Yeah, got it. <laughs> got it. Yeah, there so, was no ahas. I'm kind of reporting null results here, but. No, it's but no, you well, that, that that's good. Um, uh, yeah, interesting. Um, I got more, but you just Dude, added I would, another I feel like list. I feel like I could, if I if my full-time job for a year was to generate demand for less annoying CRM, I feel like I could do it. I I know you could. Quit all your other stuff and come on, <laughs> let's do it. <laughs> uh, I, I just like, there's so such an asset there that like, it's, um, you've got the, you've got uh, so many good things. Like, so all the, all the pieces are there for, one plus one to equal like more than two. Um, yeah, you're going to figure it out. I think we might, but I, I actually think, you know, companies have like the culture has strengths and weaknesses. And I think we've built up a culture that's really good at some things. And this is not one of those things. And that's no knock on like Eunice is our main marketing person. I actually think she's fantastic at what she's doing, but like it's what she's really good at isn't quite what you're saying, which is like, kind of it's time to harvest, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, you got I, to find someone who can harvest and preserve what got you there. Cause you don't yeah. want, cause you're building a startup to last company. You don't want like someone to just like milk the damn thing. Like, right. Like you, you were talking about spamming people earlier and I know you're kind of saying that in a tongue in cheek kind of joking way, but like, if you came to me and you're like, that's the plan, I would be like, absolutely not. You're, you're like not allowed. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you put something else on your list. What's, what's, what's your, uh, next I, I just, uh, I, I didn't get permission to mention this person's name, so I'll just say their first name, but like I have a friend, Julian, who I meet with occasionally and who's been a really important advice advisor for me. Um, the, uh, 
I, I met with him yesterday and it was just like, Hey, like what advice do you have for me? And he's like, dude, you've got to get out of the details and you've got to start thinking like an investor versus a entrepreneur, um, for leg up health. And that requires like you to th- spend money to make things happen and not to spend time making things happen. And, uh, I think like, I think he's right. Once I have a ha- like a handle on like, I have to be like in order to manage a, an agency or a outsourced digital marketer, I have to know enough about that. Um, I, but what I didn't realize is like, I've been holding off on investing in product development. Uh, I know how to manage a developer now. I, I know enough mm. about code. And so that is an area where I can um, spend money uh, and to get a ton of leverage um, and manage it. And I think I will be there with digital advertising too this time next year. But it was just a reminder for me, like I am not full-time on my business. Like the more time I spend trying to do stuff, the less good decisions I'm going to make in the limited time I have, the more stress I'm going to have the worst I'm going to perform in my other obligations. And so um, I'm going to like, I guess my ask to you would be like when going into next year, this is not a now thing, but like going into next year, I would, I would really appreciate if you pushed me to make um, money, pull, pull, pull decisions with pull levers with money Mm. and uh, decisions um, and vision and clarity versus rolling up my own sleeves. I will do my best, but I'll admit this kind of goes against my instincts here. Yeah. Which is not to say that this advice from Julian's wrong, but like I have like a, I think partially correct practical point of view and partially like Puritan guilt type of thing that like you have to earn that. And there, what I mean is you see on indie hackers or wherever, so many people who are like, I want to start a business. All I need is a salesperson, a developer, and whatever, and I bring nothing to the table. Um, and it's like it is like you can start a company, grow it, build a team, and then turn into that ideas person eventually. But like people who do that prematurely, I lose a lot of respect for it. That's not what you're saying, I know, but um, that's my bias. Is like until stuff's working, I'm also the roll up your sleeves type. But that's just not the situation you're in. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. Um, that's, but I think like there are situations where it still doesn't make sense. Um, and like for digital marketing, I, I, I'm doing the right stuff by learning that. Like I've got a, it's a core competency of the business. Um, but like, I think though, especially next year, I need to like really level up in that regard. And there's no reason I can't invest in product development. I had a great call, uh, this week with, um, a, a former, a colleague um, who could build our leg up benefits platform. And he quoted 30 K like, I'm like, yeah. what? Okay. what's the point of having a day job? If, if you're not going to spend that money. To, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, I'll, I'll, that, I'll keep that in mind out there. What, listener, what else you got? Listener, keep this in mind and email us. If Rick yeah. is going to challenge me, if I'm spending too much time. Um, so on the topic of trying to harvest for us, I really feel this integration thing that I keep talking about, I really feel like it's kind of kicking in and working. I don't know if it'll work as a, sorry, I should recap what I'm talking about. We are trying to get third-party developers to build integrations with Lessening CRM. Our plan is to build a whole platform with like app directory and stuff. But since I've been mentioning it on the podcast, I've been getting enough cold outreach from, not cold, but outreach from people being like, hey, I heard that. Can I, can I build an integration? Um, 
the long-term hope is that we actually can get customers from it because even if we're bigger than each integration partner, if we have 20 of them and each one is sending us a small amount of traffic, that adds up is the hope. But also it helps our product. Like there's all these integrations our customers want that we don't have time to build ourselves. Um, so we've launched two of them now, Zip Message and Reform. Um, Reform is like a form building tool, which is one of the number one requests we've been getting from customers. So that launched this week. Well, any feedback on that one? I was super interested in that one. Um, I know some people have started signing up and, and giving it a shot. Uh, I have not heard any feedback from customers or from Re- Reform really yet. But it feels that feels just like a real winner. Like I just yeah. three three ways: you win, they win, the customer wins. Um, I'm really interested in hearing about that one. Yeah, um, I think a lot of these will be this way, especially because a lot of these other companies have. So our integration experiences have been terrible because it's like MailChimp or Google Calendar. It's really sophisticated data and back and forth. A back and forth sync is really, really hard to build because like if something gets out of sync, all of the, like 90% of our bugs for a long time came from MailChimp, basically. A lot of these integrations are just one-time pushes and form builders especially are super clean for this. It's like someone fills out a form, push it to the CRM, end of transaction. Um, So I think it'll just work. So, but then also I've got like, five-ish others, like three pretty like almost done integrations of pe- people I'm talking with, and then another handful of kind of maybe they're going to build it, maybe not. And we're, we're at the point, we, we send a newsletter to our customers every other week. We're at the point where we're like, we can't announce yours in the next newsletter because we're announcing a different integration. We're going to have to wait another another two weeks. And it, it kind of feels like just all this work we've been putting in for the last 13 years. And I'm just kind of like, I pushed a button to say, all right, like, Let's get some integration partners now. I don't think it'll keep up, but it, it feels really like we're we're harvesting right now. I, I love it, and this is like back to the brand marketing thing. It's like these are great investments. Uh, yeah. Oh, I just go get more of them. Yeah. No, I'm trying, and I, but the thing is, I haven't even really ramped up trying that. Like I only mentioned on the podcast so far. Do have you done any? Um, do you have a data enrichment tool? Have we talked about no. data enrichment? We, we've talked about it, but I, I don't have any use for it. This is one area where Pipedrive is a little weak, in my opinion. Um, I think mm-hmm. that they have, there, there's not a good like Zoom info, like data enrichment tool, but I would think that that would be a pretty interesting integration. Um, now it is aiding in uh, outreach. No, I'm, fine. I'm fine with this. <laughs> um, yeah, but I, I think uh, that is a super value add tool. And it's also a tool that like, if you do right, because you're using your own CRM, correct? Yes. Um, that's a tool that could really help you with marketing as we well. Use, yeah, that's yeah. a good point. So well, I should say we use our CRM for customer service and sales. We don't really use it for marketing too much. But what do you what CRM saying. do you use for marketing and sales? I mean, we just don't use a CRM. I mean, we use <laughs> we use Bento for like our email list, which I guess you'd say that's kind of a CRM. Um, okay. Uh, but kind yeah, of, that's a great yeah. point. And so so let me. You have HubSpot? No. You got off it? We never used HubSpot. Oh, that's right. You did Webflow. Yeah, we're on Webflow. And then Bento is the closest thing we've got to any of that, which actually I'm really happy with Bento. Um, It's not nearly as sophisticated. but Uh, So, okay, I'll come back to what you just said in a second. I'm not going to say their name because they haven't launched and I don't know if they want us to, but one integration partner actually built a tool just for us. Like if you go to their landing page, it's like, uh, I'll mention it w- when it goes live. I don't. I don't What's know the use it's, case? It's yeah. So it's if you go to their homepage, it's like something like automate emails, like email automation for less annoying CRM. 
Like that's the H1 or something like that. So it's basically as you move people through statuses in a pipeline, um, it'll just automatically send an email when they move to this, the next status, which our MailChimp integration does not currently do. Our MailChimp integration is just like, here's the newsletter list, send, send an email to them. There's not really that trigger step. So A, I think that's cool. Someone built a tool just to integrate with Lessening Serum. But B, this lead and data enrichment thing you were talking about, if anyone out there is listening and you're like, you want a little micro SaaS, take full contact or one of these APIs that does data enrichment, plug it into less annoying CRM. Uh, we'll just send you customers. Like it's that simple. Yep. I hope someone takes me up on that. Cause <laughs> I, I think that would be a, a, everyone wins there. Yep. Agreed. And we'll be your first customer. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, um, what, what's this Bento thing that you mentioned? So Bento, we were on drip. Uh, are you familiar with drip? Mm-hmm. So we were on them. Um, they kind of pivoted to be more for e-commerce than SaaS. And also, I just don't like Drip. Um, so we were looking for other, an email, it's like an email marketing tool, like a MailChimp type thing, but more for like SaaS where you're, it's kind of marketing, but it's also like sending onboarding emails to people who sign up for free trials, sending product announcements. It's kind of a combination of marketing with like customer engagement. Hmm. So we looked at uh, Bento, Intercom, or not intercom, fuck intercom. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, customer.io, uh, and then um, the, 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 there's one, like a bootstrapped type. Uh, it's like a SaaS-specific email tool, and I'm blanking on their name. But we looked at them, too. We looked at three of them. Uh, and Bento, it's made by a single guy, Jesse Hanley. Um just like follow him on Twitter. It's wild what what this one person is doing. But he basically built this thing that's better than Drip all by himself. And uh, yeah, we switched all our email marketing. And it has kind of analytics and stuff built in, kind of like Intercom does. So that's also doing some of our reporting. And that like we have a Bento Pixel on our website. And yeah, it's great. That's really cool. Mm-hmm. And this what's, guy. Yeah, what's also awesome. So his support is like when you become a customer, he just invites you to a um, Discord channel. Uh, and like Eunice is our main point of contact with him. Eunice will just go in there and be like, uh, Hey, like I want to be able to do this thing. And he, he's in Japan. So like, you know, we're not talking synchronously. And then when we wake up, he's like done, <laughs> like it's built. <laughs> it's just wild. The, the rate at which this guy ships. It's crazy, man. Yeah. Um, sorry, we're, we're all over the place here, but one thing I, I forgot to mention about this integration thing though, that I'm really excited about Eunice kind of approached me this week and was like, so as we have more of these things coming in, I think we need to put together an actual like integration partner package. And so she's putting a marketing page together that's going to be like, if you build an integration, here's what you get. We're going to send one newsletter blast. We're going to give you three social media, these things. We're going to put you on this page, on that page, one blog post, one help article. Um, Because right now we're doing this all ad hoc. And I just can't wait to be able to, someone reaches out and is like, hey, I'm interested. And I'll be like, Boom! Here's the page that really drives home the value in this for you. So we're we're starting to kind of systematize this too, which is cool. That's awesome. Um, anyway, uh, I'll I'll keep giving updates, but feeling good about that. All right, we're at fifty minutes here. Um, what you got? Course, yeah, what do I got? So uh, one of the talks I saw at Founder Summit, there weren't that many talks because there was so much other stuff. But I think probably my favorite talk was the title was "Courses as Marketing." Um, the idea being like make courses that people can take and use that to kind of build a lead funnel for your main product. Um, 
before I go into details about what the, the presentation was on, is this like a channel you're, do you have any thoughts on to start with? Mm-mm. No. Have you ever like done this or seen this done? I don't think so. Okay. This is, as I was watching, it, I was like, this is kind of what I tried to do with less knowing business. If you recall, um, I made a course for like how to build a website for a small business. But as I watched this presentation, I was like, oh, there are a million things I did wrong. Um, the presentation was given by David from EduFlow, um, EDU Flow, and they make a tool for hosting courses. So it's somewhat self-serving, but um, basically one of the ways they market themselves is they have all these courses for their ideal customer. So like one type of customer for them is a corporate HR team that has to do tr- internal training and people take the course through them. So they have like a how corporate HR does courses or whatever course. And they go out and market that. And what they basically said is because it's a free course, you can market it very, very freely and nobody like thinks it's spam. Like you can just join a Facebook group and be like, hey, you're a bunch of HR professionals. Here's a free course. Just thought you should know. And apparently nobody minds because you're not charging anything. And then you get all the, he said they get like thousands of leads from this per month. They take the course and at the end of the course, they're like, oh, by the way, we're EduFlow. Hey. Smart. Yeah. Um, he said something in the presentation that really stuck out to me, which is he was basically like, this works, we're doing it. And not many people are doing it. And anytime anyone says something like related to marketing, that it works and not many people are doing it, I think you have to take it seriously because like the whole game of marketing is just getting the new channels before they're saturated. And I think this might be one of those channels. So a free course, like that actually feels like a course basically that uh, helps your target customer do something. It doesn't matter what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, but it needs to be somewhat related to uh, adjacent to what you do so that yeah. you can basically do an ad after, afterwards. Yeah. The closer to bottom of funnel it is, the better. Um, so I think that's one of the mistakes I made with my how to make a website thing is like, even if it had had lots of adoption and stuff, like how many of those people really want to buy a CRM at the end? But I was toying with like, I don't know how to, I don't have a catchy name for this, but a thing that comes up a lot is, no, sorry. I was trying to think of what are things I know about that my customer wants to learn? Because the reality is there's not a lot of overlap between us. But a CRM administrator has to understand how a database works because that's effectively what a CRM is. And I know how databases work. So I was toying with like technical CRM concepts for non-technical CRM administrators. Brilliant. Um. I need to workshop that a lot, but that, yeah. that's kind of what I'm thinking. Yeah, you wouldn't use those words exactly, but it's it's something around how to uh, configure um, a customer relationship manager so that um, you can get the data that you want, so that you yeah. can have the workflows that you want, so that you can get ROI. Yeah, if you just spent 10 minutes saying to every CRM administrator, there's this concept called a one-to-many relationship. I'm going to tell you what it is. And then they'd immediately be like, oh, all these things I've been setting up in the CRM are one-to-many relationships. And now I see how they connect together. I think there would be a lot of value in that. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, I, I I might do this. I'm not, not urgently, but I mostly just wanted to mention it as like, I think that anyone out there looking for ideas, if you have a course to give that your customer would be interested in, I think this is a pretty interesting way to market. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely applies B two B. I mean, we're doing this at at, uh, at Leg Up Health right now. Um, we uh, JD did five webinars 
we know a ton about um, health insurance. And so the course was just basically about like, hey, here are the like your options. Here's how health insurance works in the US. Here's our, here are your options as a small business owner. There's no products here. It's just like, here's how to think about each of the options. And then, you know, you're not going to get this content anywhere else because no one else knows what mm. we know. And two, no one is incentivized to give it to you. Um, yeah. The hard that, thing with that is, does anyone want to take a course on health insurance? Yeah. So do, do they want to learn it? But HR people do. Right, right. Absolutely. And that's our target customer. Does a small business owner? Eh. They do at this time of year, right? And so um, it, it, maybe that's a twi- Maybe it's a 15-minute course. And like you market it as like a 15-minute like crash course on uh, every, like how to avoid wasting money on employee benefits. Yeah, that, that is a good point, actually. Something I meant to mention that I forgot is like, what's the difference between a course and just like writing a blog post or making a YouTube video? And one of the ideas from this presentation was like, so A, it, you can make it cohort-based. One way or another, add some element of interaction to it so it's not just content. Um, so you can make it cohort-based and then pair people together. Uh, Brian from ZipMessage is doing this where he's starting a community of coaches because that's his his niche he's going after, where he's like, you sign up, you get access to the whole community, but I'm going to pair you with like four other people. Mm-hmm. And so you've got your little mastermind group. Uh, or you could be like, okay, if we did our lesson on CRM one, you're going to have a teacher and that's one of our CRM coaches. Um, I think that's one of the things that makes a course a lot more valuable than just like a webinar or a YouTube video or a blog post is like something to make it interactive. Um, no, it makes a lot of sense. Um, yeah. I, I, I like this topic a lot. Do, can you think of anything? Um, no one want, like I'm in this business that no one wants to talk about and think about, like, I guess yeah. how to save money, like how to make money. Uh, I think like, you're right about the HR professional thing that it's, it's gotta be someone who's, I shouldn't say it has to be, but the most obvious audience to me is someone whose job it is to do the thing your course is on where it's like part of their professional development. It's not like, Oh, I, uh, I go shopping for my family of four. I'm going to take a course on how to pick the right steak. Like, I, I don't think people do it out of interest. They do it out of like professional need, I think. Hmm. Yeah. It's like, I I'm, it's fear-based almost. Yeah. Hence why I'm trying to think CRM administrators, which isn't even like our customers are so small, there's normally not one of those. But in the grander world, there are all these people whose job it is to run Salesforce or something like that. And I'm kind of like, that's the type of person who would actually consume CRM content, I think. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. I think you're right. Um, You got time for one more topic here? Sure, go for it. Keep it quick. Um, I just wanted to like, Okay, so I, uh, my friend Steve, who you know, and who's a listener of the podcast. Hello, Steve. Hello, Steve. Um, he uh, works at a university and met a professor there who might be able to help with some recruiting goals that we have at Less Knowing CRM. I haven't. We're like still setting up a meeting to like see what comes of it, and maybe nothing will. But like, it's an opportunity. Um, it's an opportunity for something good to happen. And when it happened, I was like, well, that's kind of cool. Like. My, my natural instinct is like, let's work backwards and see what, what happened and how can I reproduce this? Um, and what occurred to me is like, I kind of can't, like this is a one-off thing, but like Steve is a college professor and there's absolutely no reason he should know what our recruiting goals are at Less Annoying CRM such that this opportunity could ever come up in the first place, aside from the fact that I talk about it all the time. 
and I just, this is maybe a stupid point to make, but just like a lot of people are like, nobody cares what I'm working on or they want to be secretive one or the other. And so they don't talk about stuff. And if you don't talk about what you're doing, random serendipity can't happen to you. And because I've just told Steve over and over and over what's going on at Less Annoying CRM, this opportunity came up. So just a reminder to say what you're working on to everybody you know all the time. Yep. And yeah, it's so easy to talk yourself out of just a quick mention. Um, but it almost always leads, like if you if you actually are excited about it and it's important to you, people become interested because it's interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and so don't hedge either. Like just do it. I, that's, I need to do more of this. Yeah, I do too. I don't want to act like I'm some like amazing role model at this, but Steve's an easy, like Steve is kind of like, he likes to nerd out about this stuff with me. Um, so it's easy to tell him, but I, even with other people, people are always like, oh, how's, how's business? And I'm always like, oh, pretty good. Just chugging along. And what I should be doing is saying, oh, good. Here are three things I'm working partners. on. I need integration partners. Do you know? Yeah, anyone? yeah like, exactly. Yeah. So I, 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 I want to try to be better about this too, but just a reminder for myself and everybody else. <laughs> Anything else you want to talk about? I mean, I've got more stuff, but I feel yeah. like uh, we're probably at time. So let's call it. Yeah. Thanks for the time. Um, if you'd like to review past topics and show notes, visit startuptolast.com. See you next week. See ya.